2018, the year of, what is it the year of? I don't know. I'm not even necessarily in Chinese culture. The year of the orange. You, you, why the orange? Uh, or I guess I shouldn't ask because these are facts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Might as well just say, yeah, why is there air? Ah, oh, that classic old comedy routine by everybody's favorite old... Aristotle? No, no. It's a, that's a Bill Cosby album. Why is there air? Oh, it is, that's isn't a, it? Yeah, it sure is. I miss him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I... I don't. We've talked about missing him versus not missing him. I miss the idea of him. Anyway. <laughs> if mad about you was a final frontier, we're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about, mad about you. Yeah. I miss the phony hymn. Yeah. Oh, boy, do I miss the phony hymn. Because the real hymn's a real piece of garbage. Yeah, he's a monster. <laughs> so this is Mad About Mad About You, your weekly Mad About You recap podcast. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And we're not going to talk about that guy anymore. No. Until Russ brings him up again next time. <laughs> oh, zip zop. <laughs> Scooby-doo bop. <laughs> so... John, we haven't spoken to each How other in a little while. How close can you get to an impression without doing it? Yeah, I'll just say it. You know, I'll just say, oh, uh, the, the, the dentist. Yeah, can the, you uh, please uh, pass the pudding? I, I need some jello pudding. <laughs> the dentist says there's a fiber in your mouth. And uh, yeah. I saw him do that live. The dentist bit? Yeah. I and did that not. was a fond memory for... <laughs> for a while. For, sure. From the moment I saw it for about six years. You got a good six yeah, years. Yeah, it was a good six years. I've heard my old roommate told me that he went to see him, and when he came out for his encore, he was just like, people were yelling things, and he was just like, "No, I'm going to say this one thing, and then I'm going to do the dentist, and then we're all going to go home." Yeah, he did the same and, thing to us. Yeah, which is very funny. And yeah. my friend was just like, in this medium where it's all supposed to be completely spontaneous. Yeah, he's just like, "No, no, 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 I got something else <laughs> that." Uh, yeah. Maybe later I'll tell you, if it comes to mind, I'll tell you a story about the dentist that I went to. And even with that mechanical sounding joke, still killed. Yeah. It's a good bit. It's a good bit from the worst man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, yeah, we haven't recorded an episode in together in a while. Yeah. And it probably shows by how quickly we turned to speaking of serial monster people. Yeah, usually it takes a good half hour. Yeah, this was instant. This was <laughs> as though nothing else is happening. Serial monster happened. sounds like a character of a serial. Well, there <laughs> are those famous three serial monsters. There's Count Chocula. Oh, you yeah, there Frank you go. Barry. Who else? You Frankenberry. Oh, this is some crap cereal, I think you're naming. <laughs> no, it's Frankenberry? Yeah. If you want to really talk crap cereal, you ever heard of Booberry? No, maybe. Yeah, he's a guy. It's a guy? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a man. <laughs> He's a, it's it's a Boo Radley based cereal. <laughs> Dracula, Frankenstein, and Boo Radley. <laughs> the classic universal horror. The classically movie. misunderstood cereal. I look dry, but I'm really sweet. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's not as much really fiber funny. in me as you think. <laughs> uh, the little oat pieces are me, Robert Duvall. <laughs> I'm not famous yet. Robert Duvall played Boo Radley? Yeah, sure did. That's crazy. His first role. 
I don't know if I knew who he was when I first saw that movie. I knew the name, and I also know that my dad made a big deal out of it. Like, I think that was it. It's mm-hmm. like we're watching the credits, and it says, uh, you know, and introducing Robert Duvall. Wow. And my dad goes, his first movie. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How about that? And now I'm you. Yeah. Mm. Except you know a little bit more about him than I did. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> John, you've been well. You li- <laughs> Lion? <laughs> you know, I'm laughing at you, but I know him from The Godfather. I can't think of a single other Robert Duvall thing right now. Me neither. He may have been in Empire Falls, the <laughs> HBO TV movie. Was he in Yuli's Gold? Oh my God, this is so sad. He's a legend. <laughs> You know, for a legend, he's not that many legendary movies. (laughs) I'm sure he is. John, do not look him up. Never look him up. (laughs) It's embarrassing. I am. Oh, God. Let me, I'm going to, let's get, oh, that's right. (laughs) That's the response you'd expect, I guess, when looking at his filmography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. 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 Dozens of things. Apocalypse Now. Sure. Okay. Uh, Russ, forgive me. I'm sure our listeners were outraged when I said Lions, when I meant second-hand Lions. Second. The the sequel. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's in (laughs) Newsflash. Robert Duvall's in everything. Everything. He's in Newsies. Yes. Okay. Sure. Falling Down. That's come up. The paper. Yep. (laughs) Here we go again. (laughs) I'm naming... Okay. I'm naming How about movies this? that aren't big hits like they're huge hits. So here are the, a couple of mortal sins that we've opened up this week's episode <laughs> with are just like, hey, you know who was really funny? Bill Cosby. Hey, <laughs> what what was Robert Duvall in? I can't think of anything. <laughs> I'm looking at these, though. There's a lot of things I've never heard of. Oh, he's in Days of Thunder. That's right. Okay, let's move on. Great. So Mad About You. Let's talk about Mad About You eventually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we yeah. took uh Mad About You took a couple weeks off. They did. They did, they did. This For one For Easter, I imagine. That sounds right or something. I'm joking, sure. but maybe that is true. Maybe. Yeah, because NBC was famous for doing intense Catholic programming the the week Holy Week, right? Sure. Absolutely. I don't even know the, if that's what it's called Holy Week. It is called Holy Week. Oh, okay. I grew up Protestant. We only cared about the Sunday. Sure. You know. I know now. <laughs> this week's episode, this is Episode 43 of Mad About Mad About You, and we're talking about Season 2, Episode 21, which is called Disorientation. Very good name. Very good name. And it originally aired on April 28th, 1994. Yes, indeed. A good name because this episode is all about... uh, Well, John, tell us what TV Guide says. Fran, Lisa, and Ira join Paul's race to cover up the fact that he forgot to mail Jamie's class registration. There you go. Very good. Very Very good. good. All your characters are in. It doesn't feel forced. Nope. Me thinks Shakespeare's kid got a job. <laughs> Here's a fun sentence. Oh, man. That TV guide writer knocked the hell out of that review. <laughs> That's the fun sentence? That's the fun sentence. I don't think and any sentence can be fun with the words TV guide writer. Well, that's why it's fun. I don't think anybody's ever thought that. Like, you read that review, and you're like, oh, man. He knocked the hell out of that thing. Great job. Great job. <laughs> Yeah, I'm imagining the uh, cast though. <laughs> Just a, do, you're... Hey, Josh, did you see uh, Dylan Swooney's description of that Seinfeld episode of last week's TV Guide? Oh, yeah, not the hell. Yeah, out you should of it. check it out. It's oh, really my good. God. Yeah. Just, I'm seeing different couches. 
from people throughout the country. Somebody in Des Moines, Iowa reads it and just like, wow. Clipping wow, it out, putting it on the fridge. That's really good. Honey, honey, come here. <laughs> you got to see this. Yeah, that's what I think happens. I want to get a little uh, description read to me as I'm falling asleep each night. <laughs> Not this one. Yeah. <laughs> You'll sit straight up in bed. That's true. A good TV description. Yeah. Wakes you up, doesn't put you to sleep. You'll be like, oh, man, where's my remote? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Oh, boy. They nailed it's a it. good one. Great job. Let's hope we see continued positive results. I'm not holding my breath. Nah, me neither. What else is on TV? You're watching NBC. Well, there was a TV movie on that night that we're not going to talk about. Why? Well, I don't want to. I found some other fun oh, stuff. Well, that's the, the, probably my favorite reason. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Also, I couldn't watch it. If I'd been able to watch it, maybe. But yeah. it was a documentary, and it was called The Mysteries of the Ancient World, I believe. Something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was similar to the other one that we did. <sighs> yes. Yes, but the it, Noah's Ark one. Yeah. But it had to do with Prometheus and other things I'm like so that. I'm so bored. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So we didn't do that. So I looked at the rest of the week, and I found something really cool. Great. I'm really excited about this. So on Monday... And I believe it was 8.30 on CBS, Monday, April 25th. The show is called 704 Hauser. Oh. That doesn't ring a bell to you, does it? No, but Hauser's a street in Los Angeles. I wonder if... It is not. Do you know who originally lived at 704 Hauser? Oh, I see what... I just looked it up. Oh, You're my You're looking now. Gosh! 704 Hauser is a spinoff of All in the Family. And 704 Hauser is the house in which... Archie and Edith live. Wow. And this show is a story about a black family basically doing the opposite of All in the Family, where they the parents are Democrats. And the kids are conservative? Yeah. Yeah. They did a family ties of All in the Family. And there's one son who lives there, or who lives with them, and he's got a Jewish wife. The father, the patriarch of the family, is played by John Amos. I know. I see. Oh, I, I love him. John Amos, who you all probably remember as, was it General Fitzwallis? Yes. Was that his name That's on correct. the West Wing? And also, he is Mr. McDowell from Coming to America. Indeed. And he's in a million other things. He's from Good Times. Good Times. And all sorts of stuff. A legend. A legend. And playing the girl with whom the son... The Jewish wife. Thur yes, the Jewish wife. The son of the family is named Thurgood Marshall. Which is great. Yeah. Sure. Yes. The last name of the family, what was it? Cumberbatch. So he's Thurgood Marshall Cumberbatch. They call him Goody. And his wife is played by Maura Tierney. Unbelievable. So yeah, from news radio and a million things. And her name is Cheryl Lynn on the show. And this show, there were six episodes made. Five aired. Ah. Uh. By the way, it's available on YouTube. No. Yep. And? Very interesting question. Let me give you a couple of tidbits on the show, first of all. In the pilot episode, the All in the Family character, Joey Stivick, uh -huh. who was Meathead and Sally Struthers' son, he makes a cameo in the first His episode. His name's Meat Stick? <laughs> oh, you know what that, you know what happened? Yeah, I combined you, Meathead you, with Stivick in my with head. With Stivick and made Meat Stick. Yeah, yeah. And you need to tweet that at Rob Reiner immediately. <laughs> and just be like, hey, did, did I just invent this? Has nobody ever called you Meat Stick in all these years? Well, not him, his kid, right? Sure. Well, I, that, I gotta you know, figure out what they baby they used. Stick, yeah, <laughs> and tweet at that baby. That's yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. 
so yeah, Norman Lear created it and directed the episode. I mean, I would hope so. Yeah, it's... It's his universe. It's the Lear universe. It is. That's very true. There was a thing. Here we go. Oh, in the second episode of the first season of All in the Family, Archie mentions a black friend of his from the old neighborhood named Roundtree Cumberbatch. Ah. And Mike replies that he thinks the name is made up. <laughs> and then they pulled Cumberbatch <laughs> in for this. That's yeah. beautiful. So, yeah. So, I watched the episode. And it's it's probably not very good. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like it. It's... It got canceled almost immediately. Yes. It like the writing is not great and the acting is also very not great. But somehow like this is so stupid to say, but I'm like, I feel like if the acting and writing was better, this would have been a good show. <laughs> I'll take that leap. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably true. Because, yeah, the, I mean, the ideas are solid enough. One thing that I wrote down as I was watching this, I was like. What's this bad show doing in Archie and Edith's house? Right. Because that's what happened. Like, is it the it's, same it's the set? set? It is. Or, or it's oh, a with different decorations. With different decorations yeah. and a different family and different scripts and wow. different acting. And it is just like, literally, I'm just like, normally when I see this room, I'm laughing and happy. And this is bumming me out because it's just not very good. It also brings up an existential, like, dile- not dilemma, but like... You know, you think about the fact that we sort of watched the other family that lived there and now they're dead. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, you're right. Like this house, we know we know the people that came before. It's funny. I mean, basically, yeah, the only thing that they're banking on with the show is <laughs> Yeah, here's the elevator pitch. So like everybody loves all in the family with Archie and Edith and Meathead. But what happened in the house after they left? And they're like, We don't care. <laughs> We don't, nobody cares yeah, about right. a house. And also, this is why Say by the Bell, the new class didn't work. It's the same. They're like, what are we going to call it? Well, everyone remembers the address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just call it All in the Family, making a reboot? The episode I watched opened up with two and a half minutes of John Amos trying to get out of going to church. Okay. That's a long time for a guy to just be like, well, I don't want to go. Oh, my neck hurts. Oh, these clothes don't fit. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah, yeah. that and his wife saying, you have to go to church. Yeah. And so we learned in earlier episodes that his son is dating a Jewish girl, Maura Tierney. And so his wife says, take Goody to shop for a new sport coat. You know you're colorblind. And John Amos says, so why should I take him? He can't even tell light from dark. Like, Whoa. Ooh. Holy smokes. This comes out blazing. It didn't even get like a, ooh, that's a good joke response from the crowd. It was like, whoa. Holy. <laughs> you know why? Those PC police were already set. Yeah. In. Oh, they were circling, man. Yeah. Norman uh, Lear was uh, not ready for that. So, yeah. So, Sherilyn, we learn, is Jewish. And John Amos says, why does Sammy Davis Jr. come to mind? Which is funny in general, or funny-ish, but also funny for All in the Family in particular because of that famous Sammy Davis Jr. episode. Absolutely. And then, yeah, John Amos is like, come on, we're leaving. And we learn that Goody is going to go to synagogue with Sherilyn that night. And John Amos says, if you've got to wear one of those funny little caps that they wear in the synagogue, we can stop by Beanies by Bubba. Hey. And then he laughs at his own joke. And it's just like, Ey. Oh, he's making a, he knows he's making a joke. Oh yeah. He's making a joke. About that makes it. it a little funnier. 
So here's the thing. Actually, they I go, know. That's funny. Ah, there you go. So they go to the sport coat place, and that's when the conflict comes up, which is the white security guard got into it with John Amos because he was tailing John Amos, who was shopping for a sport coat. Right. And he was suspicious. And John Amos was saying, this white guy's in my case, on my case for nothing. And his son is trying to make peace, saying, you know, hey, I had no problem with it. I didn't see any problem. And so they get into some pretty interesting racial dynamics. Sure. Some of the last lines of the episode are, you know, John Amos says, you're talking theory, Goody. I'm talking feelings. How are you going to reconcile that? And like the crowd murmurs just like, wow, yeah. Yeah. He's boy, a yeah. Boy, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great murmuring, John. You yeah. and I. You and I are top-notch murmurers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh my God. Well, how, how are you going to recon- reconcile? Oh, compliments? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if anybody is going to do a radio play and needs background murmuring, we can either do it live or you can use that audio. You have our permission. Yeah, yeah, pay us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, did, you, did you just say you don't have to pay us? Yeah. One of the attributes of a great murmur is that it's semi-intelligible. Sure. That's what makes it so fun. <laughs> it has to go in and out that, like a radio that, signal. That's why everybody calls you the fun murmurer. <laughs> so Goody says the security guard was just doing his job. John Amos says, interesting job. What does he get promoted to? Grand wizard? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And more tyranny. That's funny. This all, yeah, this all happened at Fine. This is really funny. You're going to like this a lot. This all happened at Feynman's. And Maura Tierney says, Feynman's? This happened at Feynman's? They're good friends of my parents. And John Amos says, knock me over with a bagel. <laughs> uh, you huh. can't like, do that... it like that anymore, huh? No, no, you cannot. I'm like, that's that's something. That's funny. You know, John. when John Amos first got back from the store... He's like, I hope the whole lot of them choke on their damn herring bones. And his wife says, who? John Amos says, white people. Damn white people. And Maura Tierney enters from the kitchen saying, somebody paging me? <laughs> this sounds great. Like I said, there's decent stuff. Yeah. That's the execution, tough to make a show. It is tough to make a show. The execution really missed in a lot of ways. The acting is not very solid. But it sure was nice to see that room again. So, oh. <laughs> so yeah, that's seven oh four Hauser. I wish they did that more often. Yeah, yeah, you know, like what if what if in the heat of the night it had been set in the like the old Andy Griffith Sheriff Station? <laughs> you want there to be one set for all shows? Well, for the genre, I think every now and then it's a playful yeah. idea. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that idea. Friends would just take place in Cheers. So, yeah, those teetotalers. <laughs> I think it was one episode set in a bar and like none of them drank. Oh, but there was that. What about the episode where the girls all get drunk wearing wedding gowns? I vaguely remember that. So that's what happened. That's true. <laughs> You're all caught up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> remember the one where they learned poker? Yes. People don't talk I about think... that one much. That's good. Phoebe's like, I need two cards. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack of clubs and the three of spades. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. It's a solid joke. What was in the news, Johnny? From WNBC TV, this is News 4 New York with Chuck Scarborough and Pat Harper. Oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. 
Dayline. Go ahead. Stickball, a metaphor. Two sewers. <laughs> That's the headline? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is a story right out of Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. Charlie Ballard is a retired salesman of millinery goods who lives in the Bronx. And John F. Stevens is a baker who lives in Scarsdale. But as spring wraps itself around asphalt weekends, the two men become what they've been for 46 years, stickball players and teammates. It was 1948, recalled the 65-year-old Mr. Stevens, as his Bronx old-timers played the Iona Athletic Club on 35th Street off Queens Boulevard. It was the year after the Dodgers called up Jackie Robinson and Charlie who was the greatest stickball player ever to play the game, asked me to be the first white guy to play for the Mittens Playhouse team. I was 18 years old and playing for the LaSalle Street Boys, and he was asking me to be a white Jackie Robinson. Oh, boy. I don't I don't know about this at all. Yeah, why don't we talk about this guy as much? Oh, my. Yeah. This is terrifying. Oh, my God. <laughs> They talk about. Are you familiar with the? Term? I don't. I I don't like the phrase "white Jackie Robinson." <laughs> I know. I at all. It's very uncomfortable. Oh God! I know. I stopped. I stopped. I paused when I got to that. When I was reading it, my eyes paused. Oh, yikes! You know, there's no accounting for anything. <laughs> anyway, so this white Jackie Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Hero of Delancey. What did he have to say? <laughs> if you do, you know what a Spalding is? No. So the Spaldines, uh basically they, they play stickball with an old broomstick, which you could, okay. they said you could just steal, and a ten to fifteen cent Spalding. The Spaldines were these little pink rubber balls. Okay. Right, which we're familiar. Yeah. You could buy them now, but they were made by Spalding, and they were the irregular insides of tennis balls. Oh, isn't that funny? That is funny. I yeah. didn't know that. So they'd sell those. Now they call they buy what they call high bouncers from Brazil. <laughs> and there's a guy in Long Island City who apparently makes and sells. Oh, when I say now, though, I mean 24 years ago. Sure. So they talk about how uh, back in the day they used to bet. He says, after the war, World War II. <laughs> Got it. It's just so, I guess on this show we talk about menu wars, but this is like a <laughs> war war. Almost every block had its team. Oh, uh, remember, the, remember the menu World War? <laughs> And people who said they could hit for two sewers were a dime a dozen, Mr. Ballard said. Okay, right. But Mittens had the best players from all over the city. We had blacks, whites, Irish, Italians, Jews, and Puerto Ricans. We would play anybody. End of list. Yeah. <laughs> we would play anybody anywhere for money. We would put up 50 to 60 bucks a man. And the other team would wow. do the same. That's insane. He said one summer I made enough to buy a living room set, a bedroom set, and a kitchen set all in about two months. This is high-stakes stickball. Yeah. So he says, I remember it would be the seventh inning. We'd be down by a run. And what was at stake was the family's rent for the month. Oh, my God. <laughs> so one of them goes, remember the fire trucks? Mr. Ballard nodded and picked up the anecdote, telling how opposing teams that were losing in the late innings would sometimes set off fire alarms so responding trucks would disrupt the game <laughs> before the bets got paid. Like in high school comedy movies. Yes. Exactly. Or 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 sitcom episodes, yeah. The laughter except the, in real life the for laughter, a stickball game. The laughter the two men rose. When Mr. This is in real life. This is old times. That's true. <laughs> this is black and white the, eight yeah, millimeter footage. This is this is sepia lamp. Yeah. Right. Mr. Stevens recalled how it this is the 
cold open to a Wonder Years episode. <laughs> Mr. Stevens recalled how a tough Italian team they were beating once vanished as a religious procession passed by late in the game. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Isn't that great? I love that idea. You're losing the game and just, just <laughs> mass just let out scatter. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's play by the old church. How about that? <laughs> Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Making it work. The dog ate it. There's the dog that decided to chew up the electric bill, the family that couldn't return its library books because of the children's busy social schedules, and the man who had no choice but to double park his car because he had to go to the bathroom. This is basically an article about the different excuses that New Yorkers use to get a different sure. things. So yeah. they talk to Con Ed. They talk to like courts that handle tickets. They talk to all sorts of different places. And surprisingly, Con Ed said they had leeway as agents. If it was like a particularly moving sob story, they could help you out a little. Wow. They said we're still people at the end of the day. She tells of a man who's presented a steady stream of excuses over the last year. This month, he's taking care of his grandmother and has to pay her Con Ed bill. The month before, he had to send his daughter to California because he was having a custody fight. Before that, he was going through a divorce. I've gotten his entire life story through his excuses <laughs> for not paying the bill. That's really funny. She I said, love the idea. Of, yeah, I love getting to know a person. Yeah, right. Through the... Based on tardiness with payment. <laughs> Library book borrowers lob all kinds of excuses. A patently unnecessary act in a realm where lateness is punished, regardless of the reason, at the rate of 15 cents a day. Marcia Spiros, the librarian, says, We have one reader who has an incredible string of sob stories that involve virtually every member of her family and divorce and drugs and serious illness, although um, we've never seen any evidence of it. Also, oh what evidence God. are you going to see? Yeah. What, you going to drag her just... cousin in with a needle in his arm to return a copy <laughs> of Treasure Island? <laughs> oh, this is my dead uncle, I told you. <laughs> the weirdest one, though, is a woman who gets uh, fined for, it was a double park. Uh, here we go. We had one woman the other day who was absolutely crazy, Miss Henson said. <laughs> She said she was driving the car and her 13-year-old daughter was with her. She told the judge that she thought her daughter had jumped out of the car. So she pulled over and the cop gave her a ticket for double parking. This was in Canarsie. She told the judge she wasn't double parked. She was under the car looking for her daughter. <laughs> That's... Your Honor. I, I want to hear that woman just not... Because you know she's not going to give up. Right, yeah. She'll repeat yeah. it and say it louder. She'd say, fine, yeah. I guess if your daughter went missing under the car, you would. I yeah. shouldn't go under. Your Honor, I wasn't there. I wasn't gone. I was under the car. <laughs> I was under the car, Your Honor. This I have a big wrong. car and a small body. This is wrong. I love my family. <laughs> uh, I will not apologize for loving my daughter. <laughs> Dateline. Go ahead. Harlem history. The Great... Peddler Wars. Okay. We got to start keeping track of the different wars we cover. This is a good war. Also, the fact that the New York Times, I think, loves using the term wars when they cover New York issues. Yeah. Everything's they, a war. They, yeah. Well, well, I mean, it's a war because it was officially declared a war. Otherwise, it would just be the peddler conflict. True. True. Since the late 1800s, the city has tried to regulate peddlers. Who it has to go through Congress. Yeah, I almost said that. 
Anyway, I'm done. I Go almost ahead. said that, but I didn't. <laughs> but the fact that you did makes me feel like I should have. No way. Uh, we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> the city has tried to regulate peddlers who jammed areas such as Orchard Street on the Lower East Side and Ninth Avenue between 38th and 42nd Street, once known as Patty's Market. Which I did not know. So everyone think of that when you're walking by that nightmare intersection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bowels of Port Authority, everyone remember. Used to be Patty's Market. But from the beginning, the permitting process has been ignored by thousands and abused by others who have bought hundreds of licenses to equip their own small armies, illegally creating vending empires. There are currently 853 licenses awarded to vendors of general merchandise and about 3,000 licenses for food vendors. Here is a list of some of the city's Sisyphean struggles to push unlicensed vendors of food and merchandise off the streets. So in 1972... You are not wrong. Good luck. It's that so funny how... Sisyphean, absolutely. This because this talk about a losing battle. This timeline starts in 1972. It goes till 1994. Oh my God. So in 72, Mayor Lindsay tries to do a sweep against unlicensed vendors and it's suspended after a week when a mayoral aide criticizes it as, quote, too sweeping. Ah! <laughs> 1975. Mayor Abraham Beam cracks down on peddlers after learning that about a dozen have accumulated... A dozen. A dozen vendors have accumulated and ignored more than 20,000 summonses. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's 1600 summonses a person i am too bronchial for this story holy moly 1979 the city council passes legislation setting a cap on general vendors licenses at 853 and prohibits vendors entirely from 400 of the city's busiest streets okay so that nothing sure. happens till 83 after that so maybe yeah, that you know sure. pretty we're good. turning it around I want to know what the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand was of the Peddler Wars. <laughs> wow. Russ is really busting out his history. <laughs> I'm doing something. Mayor Koch unveils the, quote, largest campaign ever against unlicensed vendors pledging to confiscate their carts in 1983. Later in 1983, new regulations are passed spelling out where and what times they can operate. <laughs> where they can operate. The mayor and city council agree the food peddlers should be limited to 5,500, but defer the new rules for two months. Immediately, 4,000 new peddlers apply for and receive licenses. <laughs> Holy cow. So then we jump to 94. Now, present day, Mayor right. Giuliani announces a new campaign to step up enforcement on illegal peddling. And in protest... Mayor Giuliani says no peddlers of any kind right. anywhere. Peddlers go to Jersey. And in response, in protest, about 500 food vendors march down Fifth Avenue. Yeah, they do. That's my New York. <laughs> so oh, I have that story. That's a, that's a delicious parade. Well, city begins enforcement of food cart restrictions and a clash that led an army of food vendors to marshal their carts along Fifth Avenue yesterday. New York City has become a new crackdown on vendors. Yada, yada, yada. But many food vendors say they think the city and business groups are bent on their destruction. About 500 vendors pushing 100 food carts empty of their cargo of donuts, hot dogs, ice cream, and giros. I almost, whatever. Giros. <laughs> Marshall on Fifth Avenue in protest yesterday, chanting slogans and waving placards. Quote, save cheap lunch, which is the most uninspired. That's the worst yeah. slogan. <laughs> 
Here's the other one. This is what they're shouting, quote, we sell food, not drugs. <laughs> Which at the this time is, is maybe this fitting. Is why, this is why you can no longer get any street food in New York because <laughs> of these slogans. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Mayor's trying to reverse decades of ignoring the regulations. Yada, yada, yada. Dinkins appointed a committee on food peddling. It didn't work. <laughs> Two, four, six, eight, on the street, the food is great. Boom. That didn't take me any time at all. It took you a little time because I think you zoned out for about 20 seconds. I don't know what you're talking about. That's really good, though. That is, is it really better good. than we sell food, not drugs? Yeah. <laughs> or we save cheap to, lunch? I didn't have to mention food. I didn't have to mention drugs at all in mine. Save cheap lunch. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I have one more story about I was drilling down into like smile smile don't frown lunchtime prices going down wow well that doesn't suit the protest but that is a good slogan those are just some song lyrics I'm working on yeah. <laughs> independent of this story what do you think that's it I'm done with the news great yeah great I like it all the news is fit to print yeah yeah so the peddler wars we got the peddler wars the menu wars and I swear there was another one that I don't there remember was. there was there was there was uh, the, the Mesopotamian Wars. <laughs> uh, the sweepstakes. What's the other war? <laughs> What's the other dumb war we talked about? Oh, man. We'll think of it. All right. Let's talk about Mad About You because that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Great. Who wrote this? Who directed this? This episode is a David Lynch. This one is a David Lynch, isn't it? Directed by Mr. Tom Moore. Excellent. The Transcendental Meditationist. Is yeah, yeah. It, yes. Meditator? No, he plays it. He plays <laughs> transcendental meditation. He's a meditationist. Uh, he played him like a tra- like a transcendental <laughs> meditationist. <laughs> Written by Jack Burdett and Jeffrey Lane. Oldies and goodies. They're great. I'm going to tell you right now, John. Well, oh, before we do that, before we launch into this episode, mind if I plug in a quick new segment potentially? I don't know if it's a new potential. To, you're doing it. I'm doing it. We'll see if this sticks. Yes, I haven't we run will. this by you. Hey, everybody! It's time for the Twitter bot shout out of the day. We've gotten some new Twitter likers, Twitter Twitter followers, and some of them are bots. <laughs> yeah, they are. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, look, I'm not trying to call out. If this is you and you're real, I apologize. No, you can tell. Usually, I don't know how you can tell. All I'm saying is. If you are at dude seven six five four five two, thanks for listening. What's up? Yeah, good to have you. This has been the Twitter bot shout out of the day. Sweepstakes. Tweet anything at us. <laughs> yeah, don't tweet at him. That will only stoke the flames. But yeah, if you're out there, tweet at us. I've also noticed that sometimes a tweet will get a like from someone new. I'll look them up, and they are pornographers. And it's because uh, we spelled the word in a way that it was inadvertently sexual. (laughs) uh, Well, no, that's it, really. (laughs) Like, cum? We must have used the word cum. Okay. Like magna cum laude? Sure. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) I can see that. Well, also, it's not our fault, because remember that episode of Mad About You that was called Eggplant Time? Is that a joke? Yep. I don't get it. That's an emoji joke about eggplants being uh, substitutes for penises. What is the time thing? It's the rest of the fake title. 
Oh, okay. All right. John, you know, I don't... All right, let's talk about this episode. I was this really is a good segment, though. I like it. Oh, good. Glad you do. So back to the episode. John, this is probably my favorite episode of Mad About You so far. <laughs> that is patently insane. That's <laughs> psychotic. Are you out of your mind? I love this episode so much. Did I don't an know anvil if it was fall on your head and you forgot all I, the prior episodes? I don't know if it was because we've been gone for so long uh-huh. and I was just happy to have it back. Uh-huh. Or what? That's one reason. <laughs> but I thought this was perfect. Perfect? A perfect little farce. You are out I of mean, your mind. I, I mean, like it. For, don't get me wrong. I liked it a except, lot. I mean, it's perfect except for the many imperfections that we're going to get into, I'm sure. There's some extraordinary episodes, though. Yeah. This one's not extraordinary. This was very, very funny. Okay. I love I love all of the things that it did. It's one of my favorite cold opens. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. So cold open is Paul and Jamie enter the kitchen, or they enter the kitchen. <laughs> they enter the room, the apartment. That's the word. They enter the apartment. <laughs> and they're carrying groceries, including a Second Avenue deli bag. And they walk from the front door into the kitchen. And as they pass the table, Paul says, this is new. And they reveal that Murray is just standing on the table. <laughs> Stock still, not moving. It's strange. It's, it's surreal. It's very surreal. It's very bizarre. It's the closest the show's funny. gotten to like a Salvador Dali painting. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I loved it. Great. A perfect little bit. Yeah. And it's funny because normally silly nonsense like that a lot of times will be saved for the tag. Right. And the tag is very actually, grounded. Yes, it pertains to the rest of the er, episode. That's what I one. mean. Yeah. 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 So they, they, flipped they flipped it. it on its head. The theme song this week, it was full length, which doesn't matter to you because you skip it. Very good memory. But, you know, we talk about how sometimes they'll, you know, lots of times they'll play just an abbreviated version. Oh, okay. There won't be a pre-chorus. Uh-huh. And sometimes they won't have a theme song at all. And when that happens, we're like, oh, they're trying to pack more yeah, episodes Yeah, those are in. special ones. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why this one got a full verse, pre-chorus, chorus. and Because they didn't have enough show? I don't know what. I'm like, the show knocked it out of the park for me. So I was like, huh, how about that? It's brilliant, actually, to just futz with the uh, opening like that. I guess a lot of shows might do that. You know, depending Maybe. on the length. I think the West yeah. Wing used to do that. Yes. Because yes, they talked about it on right. the they podcast. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. So we open up, and Paul and Jamie are in bed. It is the middle of the night, and Jamie is awake, and she wakes Paul, who awakes with a start saying, what happened? How are you? And Jamie says that she is nervous about wearing the red sweater the next day to her first day of classes. And she is clearly not. She's very nervous. Yeah. She's nervous about going back to school. Yeah. And she is searching for reasons to not have to go. Right. And for ways to not have to go. And one of those reasons is she's pinning it on Paul. She's saying, you're right. You're right. I've been to school. If you don't want me to go back to school, I won't go back to school. So, yeah, she's just got major cold feet. And she even says, you've had me for yourself this whole time. Maybe you don't want to share me with the world. Paul says, that is not true. Jamie says, you want to share me with the world? Paul says, what did I tell you about these trick questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fun little tidbit. That's a, that means. that Well, it means that there's no good answer. No, I know what that means. But yes, would be, it would be bad to share it, her with the world. It means that, you know, it would be fine. Hey, I'm sure you... Yeah. yeah. Sh- sh- so how is that a world. trick question? Because the way she says it, she's like, oh, you want to share me with the world? Oh, I you see, don't... I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. She said it 
deliberately. Boy, this I'd way. be in some hot water in this relationship. Yeah, everybody would. Yeah, they're crazy. <laughs> this show should be called No Win Situation. <laughs> if anybody wants to mock up a logo with Paul and Jamie and the title card says No Win Situation. <laughs> yeah, but also Russ, it's everyone's situation. Otherwise, we wouldn't like the show. Yeah, that's right. Love is a no-win situation, John. Oh, no win. I thought you said no ones. Oh, no. That's not a phrase. Well, it's a made-up name of a show. That's why I was giving you well, the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, Russ, we'll call it no-one situation. Boy, Absolutely. the one time I'm supportive of something that doesn't make sense, it turns out that's not what you said. <laughs> I am done being supportive. Here's a trick question for you. There you go. Now you're stuck in it. Now this is your no-win situation. <laughs> She compares herself to, she's she's like, I've already been to school. Why am I going to school again? What am I going to be like that guy who saw Miss Saigon 116 times? Yes, that's a very funny thing. So I spent some time trying to find that guy. Oh, John, what'd you find? I didn't. Oh, no, really? Yeah, so it's not a, I think it's just a joke. Oh, you do? Yeah, I don't think it's they're citing a real story. Oh, you don't. However, <laughs> there's a man. A very sweet man with a very nice blog. His name's Lionel Escota. His blog is called Luha Thoughts, a diary told through the arts. Oh my gosh. And he's a Broadway super fan. Everyone knows that, it says. <laughs> but he's a Miss Saigon duper, duper duper fan. I think he meant super duper fan. I like I, I do like, like the term like, duper duper. I'm a duper duper yeah, fan. Yeah. Because Duper Duper feels like super duper duper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so super duper, we're not even going to use the S. Right. In terms of duper calculus, yeah. I think duper duper <laughs> equals super duper duper. He has seen <laughs> he has seen Miss Saigon, quote, probably close to 50 times. That's nothing. I heard about this guy who saw it 116 <laughs> times. Russ, think about it. That's a lot of times to see a That's Broadway show. That's a lot show, of times to see a show. To buy a ticket. Yep. This guy is a Die Hard. He's seen in London and New York, multiple productions. Huge fan. Frankly, I don't think he gives himself enough dupers. He's a duper duper fan. Oh, you think he's a duper Not, duper? Duper duper duper, at least. Well, if you apply the same logic, which comes up later in the show, you have to remove another letter every time you add it. So it'd be like an ooper duper. <laughs> You're right. I'm a real idiot. <laughs> yeah. An ooper duper would be a duper duper duper, which would be a super duper 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 fan. Right, 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 right. My mistake. You're an idiot. Uh, you know what? I need a pen. <laughs> I'm better with scratch paper. <laughs> yeah, everyone should be listening to this podcast with a little scratch paper and a pencil. Yeah, please. Oh, yeah. You need to show your work. That's our slogan. <laughs> mad about mad about you. Show your work. <laughs> we make this look hard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Paul is trying to comfort her, and he's also confused because uh, he says, I don't understand. You mailed everything. What did I tell you about these trick questions? I'm serious. Well, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. You, you mailed in your check. You mailed in the course cards. You're all signed up. You're all paid for. I don't understand. It's what you want to do. So, therefore, it's what I want you to do. And why did you forget to pick up my red sweater? I did? You said you'd stop at the cleaners. I must have forgot. Yes, but why? Why? Because I must have forgot? Because maybe you don't really want me to do this. Ugh. You know what? You don't need me for this conversation. It's already so complicated. Yeah. The process of registering. Yes. Course already. cards? Yeah. Well, she's saying you forgot my sweater. 
she was going to pick up the sweater and bring the sweater oh, to her. Oh, right, right. And she says, you know, oh, well, that's your way of saying that you don't want me to go. Yeah. You forgot the sweater. There you go. And then from there, we get into more of her insecurities because she talks about her fears about having lunch. God. What? Who am I going to eat lunch with? What if I'm standing there with my tray full of fish sticks and everybody has somebody to sit with except me and there's not a friendly face in the whole cafeteria? Who am I going to eat lunch with? Bob Howard. I beg your pardon? Bob Howard. I'm telling you, every school, every camp I've ever been to, it is a Bob Howard. And they're, they're everywhere and they're, they're really, they're friendly. You don't want to go to school. You do want to go to school. You're going to school, so cut out the shenanigans, young lady, and good night. You know, I'm only going back to school to meet men. I understand. Good night. Yes. I thought this was her sort of going back in time, you know, sort of treating college like a grade school in a way. It's very weird. But then later, <laughs> as we Everybody find out, it. she eats it. Yeah. And it's disgusting. It's very strange. Yeah. She's going to have fish sticks and Sprite. Yeah, Jamie, surely whatever college you're going to, which I think is Hunter, they nope, have other options. It it's Columbia, actually. She's going to Columbia? She's going to Columbia. Did they say that? No, but... Did they show I it? Did a little, I did a little bit of detective work. We'll get there in a little oh, bit. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, wow. Russ P.I.'s on the case. Between... <laughs> Russ P.I. Between me and Jen, you know, what I saw and what Jen thought, we figured it out. <laughs> what but, you yeah. saw and what Jen thought is all you said. Yes. Wow. What a what a what a team. We're a crack team. So you observed something and she did the legwork. <laughs> you basically yeah, said, I, Jen, look. I, I, yeah. I just yelled. I, I just see said, a building. TV, TV. Yeah. Babe, are you seeing this? <laughs> but yeah. So she's worried about who she's going to eat lunch with. Jen was like. Yeah, why isn't she eating? She's in New York yeah, City. And she's a 30-year-old woman. Yeah, like, go eat outside. Go to any other block and go to a yeah, restaurant. Yeah, it's not school. Or a sandwich place. Right, it's not yeah. like great. It's not elementary school. Relax. This is insane. Come on, Jamie. The whole Bob Howard thing's weird. I like that. Uh, really? Yeah, I think that's a funny bit. When she said, you know, who am I going to eat lunch with? And he said, Bob Howard. I'm like, that's funny. Why is that funny? Because it's a nonsense name. Okay. But not everyone it, has it's, a... It's a it's a rhetorical question. Yes. He's answering a rhetorical question I very see. specifically. I see. Okay, everyone, I'm a little tired, and when I watched it, maybe I didn't get everything, okay? Yeah. Get off his back, everybody. Yeah. Hey, dude182-6854. <laughs> Are you talking about super listener dude765452? Yeah, get off my back. <laughs> Look, if you do have to tweet at him, please just tweet, get off John's back. <laughs> So, we cut to the next morning, and Murray is licking Jamie's face. Like, Jamie says, honey, you're slobbering. Ugh. Honey, I don't want to. Ugh, yeah. Because she thinks the dog She is thinks Murray's Paul. Paul, and Paul wants to do it. Yeah. Paul enters. Jamie's confused. And Paul says, it's time to go to school. Jamie says, my throat hurts, and I'm too old. Oh, that's beautiful. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun. Pretty it's great. It's beautiful. I want it on a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, I would buy it. I would buy that, absolutely. It's beautiful. That is a beautiful line. It'll be in the style of keep coming, carry on? No, I hate that. My, I hate that my, th my throat hurts, and I'm too old. You hate that? Well, boy, you really sold it, actually. But I, yeah. I, I'm on the fence now. If I ever bought anything in that meme style, that would be the it would one. be that. Great. Get on it. 
get on it, rise guys and rise gals. So Paul ushers her yeah, across. Yeah, we get them. We get listeners to make merch and then sell it to us. <laughs> Is that what you're proposing, basically? Yeah. 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 We'll buy our stuff <laughs> from you. It's a hello business model. Why not? I'm made of money. <laughs> Paul ushers her across the apartment to the kitchen. And in the kitchen, Ira, Fran, and Lisa are hiding. And they surprise her. Paul's made a good luck banner. And they have champagne for her first day back. It's very it's, sweet. It's very sweet. Very, very sweet. Very nice gesture. Yeah. Jamie says, who thought of this? And they all take credit. Which is great. Yeah. But actually, Paul thought of it. Yeah, it's very impressive. I feel like this would typically, on a television show, be, I made you breakfast. Right. <laughs> Instead, it's a party. It's a party. Yeah. And it would also typically, it could be very treacly or You've you used know, that word saccharine. before. I have. That's a mame wow. That is a mame wow. Overly sweet. It would be too much. But here it comes across as really genuine. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And they got her a pencil case. Yeah, I just gotten done saying awe about the fact that they were doing it uh-huh. for her, and then they get her, they give her a pencil case. Even a bigger like, awe, mame yeah. awe, mame mame awe, and the pencil case is full of erasers and reinforcements. Now, what are those? Those these are. Is some this some Long favorite, Island thing? I don't think so. This is some of my favorite school supplies in the world. My girlfriend didn't know what they were either. They're so weird. So they are little circles of, I guess. They've got an adhesive on one side, but they're made of slightly heavier paper. Oh, to keep it from tearing? So, yes. You put it on your, if like a piece of paper, if you blow out, if you blow out, if you tear, <laughs> if you got a blowout on a ring or hey, a piece of paper. Hey, you better check the tread on your three holes. <laughs> they weren't a little tear, thin. If you tear through a hole on a sheet of paper, sheet of loose leaf, you put reinforcements on either or both sides. Man, did you hear about Stacy? Her homework skidded right out of that trapper keeper. <laughs> Gone. It, well, she... Oh, my God. She doesn't have insurance either. Yeah. <laughs> homework. How come there isn't homework insurance? What's she going to do? There should be homework insurance. Yeah, I'm with that. If you have good grades, you have a lower premium. It's like, okay, we <laughs> can trust her. She does the work normally. So here's something. When I was in school, in middle school, they had good guy awards. And if you if you did you something, have to do if, this on Long Island, you have to give them some incentive to not yeah, be a schmuck. Yeah, it was like, please, please be Dude. nice. But I idolized the Mets. Yeah, if you, <laughs> I don't stand a chance. I thought it was uh, good to throw a firecracker at a bunch of kids. <laughs> if you go above and beyond, you get a good guy award. <laughs> so if you're if you're particularly honest, or if you help, I'm sorry, not awards, but coupons. So little yellow coupon. Particularly honest. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this was a good one. If, let's say, you took a spelling test and the teacher accidentally marked something right, uh-huh. but it was spelled wrong. Uh-huh. If you went up and you were like, uh, Miss Quape. Uh, the, Is that a real name? That's a real name. That's my fifth grade teacher. Uh, if you marked number four. Sounds like a right, town in New Jersey. Oh, uh, She was. She's a town in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> you marked number four right, but it was wrong. She'd be like, oh, well. Here was the best case scenario. Well, that's very nice of you to tell me, Russell. I won't reduce your grade. Good. And you get here's a good, a guy, good award. guy award for being honest. Okay. So there you go. If you got one of those, if you, say, missed homework one night, you didn't do your homework one night, you forgot to bring it home, you didn't have the time, you would theoretically... <laughs> you didn't have the time. 
Yeah, you, I had too much. I can't, I had too much I can't tonight. Yeah. I had too much. There were plenty of times. I, I had dinner I with would... my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sometimes there were... I remember taking a class where I had I had to go to my brother's high school concert, his band concert. Yeah, true. And so I did my homework there, and I got a lot of things wrong. And my teacher was just like, what happened? Did you study? Did you do this? Did you? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, where did you do it? I was like, I, I did it at my brother's concert. She was like, you can't do your homework at a concert. And I'm like, well, what am I also, supposed to do? Wait, it's not Pink Floyd. I'm like, I'm 14. I was yeah, in, I was uh, doing it to them playing in the mood or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, I'm <laughs> sitting, it's fine. Yeah. And I'm just dumb. I could do homework anyway. to tequila. <laughs> so yeah, if you forgot to do your homework or you couldn't do your homework, yeah. you could be like, oh, I've got this good guy award. And so you didn't get So the good guy award demerit. basically lets you be a bad guy once. Oh yeah, it's a real big get out of jail free card. Yeah, 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 I gotcha. Yeah, and sometimes you'd push it, you know? Yeah, of course. You'd be like, uh, I set this kid's hair on fire. Here's my good guy. Because <laughs> it was still Long Island, so we're still yeah, going to do like, that. Yeah, they were like, well, we're going to give you another good guy award for being <laughs> honest. For being honest. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. I set my friend's hair on fire. <laughs> Just go back to the insurance. I feel like that would be a good thing for nerds to offer. Sure. To cool guys. Yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? You pay me right. a premium. Okay. And if you screw up, I'll give you the right answers or whatever. You know, I'll do the homework for you if you're in a jam. Where are the nerds suddenly getting the power in this dynamic in high school? They got the smarts. Yeah, that's not how high school works. Yeah, it is. It's, hey, nerd, you're going to do this stuff for me for free, and I'm not going to beat you uh, up. Russ, not my high school. <laughs> not my high school. No? Yeah, I forgot that you went to high school in Utopia. Yeah, I mean, we were... It was a competition were... to get a five on the AP chem test. Oh, my goodness. You nerds. Like, you got your name on the wall. And the no. whole class was motivated to outdo each other. Like, the the entire graduating class? Not just, like, your class of nerds? No, just the AP chem class. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. Most so of the school selling... was like that, though. <laughs> I went to a nerdy school. The cool kids had 4.0s. Oh, my God. Anyway. It's a different world, John. So, oh, reinforcements. That's right. So Fran, or I'm sorry, Lisa loves these reinforcements. <laughs> and she says, I love those. I used to put them on my nipples. <laughs> so deal with that, people who love reinforcements. Ira, at that point, hands over the red sweater, which he picked up from the dry cleaners. Yeah, that dry cleaning prop, I'm really on the fence about it. Was it uh, uh, simultaneously satisfying and confusing? Which prop? The dry cleaning. Just the fact that they had to pick it up at all? No, they pick up the dry cleaning and you look at it. Okay. And it's a sport coat. There's no red sweater. There's both. No, in the back, there's a sweater. Because then they turn it around, you see the sweater. But initially presented, uh, you could only see the coat. So then I said, where's the sweater? And then I see the sweater later. <laughs> and I think, wow, you, you got me. I'm annoyed, so, but impressed. So you couldn't suspend your disbelief enough to be like, ah, the sweater was behind the coat. No, I knew that's where it was, probably. But also, I was like, boy, you forgot to pick up a lot of dry cleaning, which also, you know, you that's... don't just forget the sweater. Yeah, there were two things. And honestly, it looked like there was a vest inside the jacket. With them, it probably was. Yeah. <laughs> if there was only one vest, I'd be shocked. Yeah, so would I. So You know what? It, that's, that may have, that, those lines may have hit the cutting room floor when if they were just like, ah, I forgot my four vests. <laughs> 
I gotta go back. It was a very satisfying prop, is what I'm saying, because it jarred me. It made me think. Oh. I agree. So Lisa asks for the dry cleaning bag. Tyra says, "What for?" She says, "My little secret." That's a kinky sex thing. Is it? I think so. I don't know. All right, maybe I'm just weird like that. In my mind, she was gonna use it as a sweatsuit, like a sauna suit. Okay, probably for sex though, right? No, no, because she's trying to fit into that dress for that big ball she's going to. Oh, that's true. Because she's got huge curlers in her hair. Actually, that's true. Yeah. Was there a line about that at all? I'm joking, Russ, but I was sort of half joking, and then you said that. Now I feel like we really hit on something. We might have. Was she just curling her hair? Yeah, there was no... Yeah, yeah, it's just kooky. Okay. She's just kooky gal. It's just early. Okay. Yeah, it's early. It's the morning. Because, yeah, because we've never seen her with enormous curlers in her hair. No, crazy big curlers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you'd think... Like you'd think it would be Yeah, you'd think they would be addressed. No, not with no, Lisa. And Paul sort of addresses it at the end of the scene. What does he say? He says, I'm looking at you and I see, like, five problems. Oh, that's right. That's a funny line. So Fran pulls an envelope of forgotten items from the jacket that were left there by Jabbar, the cleaning genie. Oh, I love... I guess it's probably bad now. Right. <laughs> I do love that era of business owners, <laughs> of immigrant business owners that would cater to America's perception of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think so. Like calling yourself Jabbar the Cleaning Genie appeals to an American perspective of right. Middle Easterners based yes. on Aladdin. Yes, he's not doing that for all of the other Middle Easterners. Right. Yeah. He's catering, and it leads to a right. very funny business name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Remember so, when yeah. uh, Urban, Urban Outfitters? I don't know the end of the sentence yet. No, Abercrombie and Fitch. Do you remember those T-shirts they released in, like, 2002? That caused an uproar, like that oh, one that was yes, a Chinese so. laundry shirt. Yes. Anyway, yes. I don't remember even what they said, but that was something. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember when those shirts were offensive? <laughs> so some of the forgotten items are uh, he finds he forgot to mail his mother's birthday card. And then we learn that he forgot some other important stuff. Oh, God. What? Oh, God. Oh, God. What? Department of Continuing Education Tuition and Course Selection. Oh. You didn't mail her registration? She's supposed to send school today. How could you do that? I didn't do it on purpose. Oh, I think my shrink would beg to differ. What do I do here? What? What? No, get out of here. What? He's just a surprise. Not a surprise. Really? Yeah, go here, please. Yes, really. Okay. All right. I can fix this. I can fix this. Okay, first of all, first of all, we'll tell her and she'll understand. The second of all, don't tell her, all right? Lisa's full-throated explanation of what happened is so good because it doesn't feel like it's forced. Just it's her just naturally yelling. loud. Yeah. Her yelling. Absolutely. Oh. It's really funny. They do this very well. I'm thinking of this. I'm thinking of the, the sex tape. I'm thinking of... yes. Moments when they, when Paul has to, when they panic, verbally, yes, when Paul has to verbally explain how badly he screwed up and it's bad. Yes. And he realizes it, like, if he doesn't have time to come up with a story or to soften, watching him realize it in the moment is so rewarding. Right. And this is a very funny bit of business, this whole thing. Lisa yelling, How could you do this? Paul says, I didn't do it on purpose. Lisa says, I think my shrink would beg to differ. 
And so Paul shoes Jamie out. They all go to the kitchen to confer. Paul shoes Jamie out of the kitchen by saying there's another surprise. And Paul just looks around and says, okay, I can fix this. I can fix this. First of all, we'll tell her. She'll understand. Second of all, don't tell her. <laughs> I like that a lot. I miss that. Oh, yeah. I think that's a funny thing. That is funny. Like, yeah, first thing, we'll just tell her. It'll be fine. Secondly, don't tell her. Yeah, yeah, at yeah, all. yeah. That's a yeah, that's a good old fashioned. So they get ready to leave and figure out what to do next. But Ira reminds him that they need to come up with a fake second surprise. And so they all just start singing three quarters of For She's a Jolly Good Fellow. I love and that song. You love that song? Yeah, it's really uh it really tickles that old fashioned part of me. That's on your Spotify? I've never thought to look. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Yeah, like some sort of Elks Lodge like, like Songs of the Lodge. That would be really good. I also would love it if there was like Rufus Wainwright sings for She's a Jolly Good Fellow. Or uh Frankie Valley in the four seasons. I mean, we got the O'Neill brothers. We got the Playtime All Stars. We got active baby music. <laughs> And ballet for little kids. Oh my god, they're my faves. I don't like the selection. You don't? Well, you need to change it yourself then, my friend. There's a For He's a Jolly Good Fellow playlist on Spotify. Great. With song names such as Congratulations. <laughs> Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Okay. Oh, it goes very Disney very quickly. I love how disappointed and disgusted you are. Yeah. The, oh, oh. They really disnified no, my for like... he's a jolly good fellow playlist. This is disgusting. Well, the playlist should be songs that are mostly sung by people wearing fez hats. You know what I mean? I remember when when Shiners. when for she's a jolly good fellow was filled with porno theaters, and now it's been all disnified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they used to call it the deuce. <laughs> hey, fellas, let's sing the deuce. <laughs> oh man. So Jamie goes to get dressed and Lisa and Fran go with her. Paul decides to call the registrar and uh, Paul says to Ira, how stupid am I? Ira says, what's the limit? That killed me. Ira even thinks that Paul should tell her. That's how bad this is. Yeah. Ira is saying, come clean. But Paul can't tell her because Jamie already thinks that Paul doesn't want her to go. Right. Yes. And so Paul asks the registrar, if he brings the check down that morning, can she still register? And the answer is yes. He's so, very good at this call. Very good. Very convincing. Shockingly good. Yeah. Well, not shocking. It's a, well, it's also funny because there's no real lying that he has to do. Right. That's true. It's just like, hey, I'm in a panic. If he had to make anything up, it, it would be a nightmare. It's basically speed. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Not well. Not, I don't know if the movie. I meant like speed. Like speed is the only factor. But maybe it is like the movie. Oh, it's a lot like the movie. Yeah. Your marriage will explode. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that was the other thing that was in that envelope uh was a bomb <laughs> oh, it's stupid yeah so paul says <laughs> paul says to lisa and friend to stall her lisa says how paul says tell her you have a problem lisa says i don't have any problems which in and of itself in and of is itself is so funny. so funny did not get a laugh maybe just because they didn't take a beat Right. I laughed. Paul looks at her a second and says, I'm looking at you. I see five problems, oh, so good. which is great. Really, really fun. And so then <laughs> Paul and Ira leave and we're going to put in 
one three-line exchange that I think is hysterical. Where's Paul? He and Ira had to go. Where? The Poultry Mart. <laughs> poultry Mart? They're having a sale. Is this Poultry the Mart? Poultry Mart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's so funny. It really that is. That is a bunch of lines so well delivered. I can't stand it. Gosh, it's so good. There's a lot of absurd humor in this episode. Yes. It's a farce. It's a really great farce this turns into. Yes. But I so mean Fran... also like goofy. Like um, it feels very contemporary. Yeah. Like of, yeah, of, could... of now. Like Kimmy Schmidt-ish. Yes, it does. It does. Compared to I normal. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm not going to fight you on this. Okay. I'll try to pick a fight. <laughs> so Fran tries to stall Jamie by telling her, that the elevator's broken. She does this by stepping immediately outside of the apartment and yelling into the void that the elevator's broken. And Maggie, the neighbor, comes out of her apartment and hears Lisa yelling and says, oh, she can wait 10 minutes. And so, yeah, so she returns back to her apartment. And Jamie goes to take the stairs. She's like, oh, the elevator's broken. I'll take the stairs. Yeah. Fran, says, Fran says they just waxed them. Jamie says, they're carpeted. Fran says, I can't believe that guy lied to me. Yeah. Which is a funny joke, I guess. But also, the stairs are carpeted? The yeah, stairs you're right. That apartment is building? unlikely. That's insane. That's extremely in unlikely. A, they're going to be a linoleum. In a New York apartment. Yeah. No way. No. I can't make that happen in my head if you pay me a million dollars. Yeah, no, you're right. Great catch, Russ. Yeah. Boy. Very good. At Russ P.I.'s on the case again. <laughs> He's a, it's a so, recipe for disaster. Whoa. <laughs> Who do you work for? USA? <laughs> so Fran talks Jamie out of taking the subway by offering to drive her. And she says it's quicker than taking the subway if there's a derailment. And Lisa goes out to the hall to check on the state of the fake damaged elevator. What? You guys haven't fixed the elevator yet? <laughs> Lisa, what's yours? <laughs> Tonight? I think that's a little short notice. I have attitude, you have attitude. Is the elevator fixed? No. Yes. You loved this, huh? I loved this. I'm so glad. Did you not like this? Yeah, you know. I love that of all the things, of all the things that she could make up involving about the elevator, she invents a guy to flirt with and then yell at. It's sort of a classic move to me. I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen that before. Maybe. I think I saw Robert Duvall do that bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe Robert Duvall plays this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so then we cut to an exterior shot of campus. And when I squinted at it, I was able to see Booth Hall. Ah. And so I Googled Booth Hall. And, and NYC, mm -hmm. and I got, I learned that there is a place called Ferris Booth Hall at Columbia University. And yeah, that's one of the old buildings at Fascinating. Columbia. It was raised in 1996, though, so it's no longer there. But it was. Oh, uh, no. Yep. So, yeah, so they're at Columbia. And Jen, when we were talking about it, I'm not sure if it was at this point of the episode or later, but based on the fact that we were like, okay, so she's got to go uptown because we are talking about how she has right. to go uptown to campus. And so, yeah, so she was like, maybe Columbia? Because uptown from where they are. Yeah, I mean, that's very good. Yeah. But also Hunter's uptown. Hunter is uptown. 
Hunter was a good guess. Hunter was a good you guess. You know I guess Hunter? It's the wrong one. Why yeah, is it? it is the wrong one. Because they go from Garment that? District to Fran Pitching Woody Allen's house. That's true. Also, because it seems crazy that a person returning to college at the age of 30 with no real direction would just be like, I'm going to go to an Ivy League school and get in. Well, Jamie. Jamie probably could. She went to Yale. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, Paul and Ira enter a gymnasium at this university that is from 1951. Yes, they do. But Columbia is an old school. Columbia is an old school. Jen said their living room is bigger than this gym. That is very and true. Is oh, my right. gosh. You're right. You that's, couldn't play anything in there. That's not an exaggeration. That's very funny. I can't tell what the floor is made out of, but it is not gym looking. No. The only thing that you could tell it is a gym by is the fact that there is a speed bag way in the background. Ah. Like for bo- from boxing. That's the only thing that identifies this as a gym. I was distracted by the uh, most diverse shot in the history of television shows <laughs> of all the different people all the different people <laughs> it was like that scene in punch drunk love where it's just silhouettes of people like cross like, it was a menagerie of like it was unbelievable oh my gosh all colors so, all people in wheelchairs yeah. people it was amazing it was the united states of benetton ad yeah so none of them talked but still oh no 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 absolutely yeah. not so they have a fun little bit ira and paul have a fun little bit of discussion about whether they are go- to get on a prepaid line or a non-prepaid line. And what about course submissions? And there's line discussion. It is confusing. I could watch that scene from now until the end of time. <laughs> it was really good. Watching those two argue about the semantics of yeah. line names yep. is why I like the show. It's bliss. It's bliss for you. Yeah. It's a really fun bit. And the fact that Iris seems to have it under control. Yes. And then does it. And then it's just like, oh, "Oh, well, what do we do about this? And yeah, they got to go through it again. Really fun. From there, we cut to Fran's car where Jamie is standing out of the moonroof. Yes. Her entire torso. But just barely. Like she gets in. Yeah. The scene sort of starts with her sitting back in the car. Right. But she's trying to see. She's not just having a party. She's trying to see the traffic. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so... Frank compares with order... the Pope. <laughs> yes, that's very funny. I love a New York so... Pope joke. <laughs> so in order to stall, Fran is driving through the garment district during rush hour. Mm-hmm. That's what they came up with before. I don't even know if we mentioned, but Fran and Lisa are taking Jamie to school, and they're taking her slowly so that Paul and Ira can get Jamie registered. Yeah. That's yeah. the Yeah, that's the ticking clock. Just to say it explicitly. Yeah, yeah. They have to finish registering her before she gets to school. Right, yes. So Lisa looks out the window and sees somebody selling coats on the street and says, hey, look, maybe we should take our coats for a walk. I was so confused. It seemed like she was... It seemed like a world where they just picked her up from the dentist or something, like she was hazy, like coming out of anesthesia. Yeah. And it was that kind of joke. You're right. But she wasn't. Lisa's seen this. Yeah. The garment district isn't uncommon New York. Especially where they live. I don't even get the joke. I needed it explained also. Jen pointed out there's probably somebody pushing. Well, no, I get that, but I don't get why that's funny. It's not. Like, that's just a common thing. Yep. Yeah. It's made to be like, hey, look at how spacey. It's an Ursula line. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's an Ursula line delivered by Lisa. From there, we cut back to school, and Ira is blatantly hitting on students. Unlike at the oldest, they're 18. Yeah, it's... Something to watch. Maybe we could 
get together and study sometime, huh? I don't think that's a good idea. Hold on, trust me. It's a marvelous thought. I don't date professors. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not a professor. He is. <laughs> oh, excuse me, what? I'm a professor and you're what, a student? That's right. You got like three hairs on your head. <laughs> This, I'm not positive, but I think this is the first time that they've ever joked about Ira being bald. Yeah, you're right. I feel like he had more hair on his head in previous episodes. Maybe? I don't know for sure. Because I feel like I remembered him bald-er, and then in past episodes I'd look at his head and be like, oh, you have more hair than I thought. And then this one I was like, oh, no you don't. Well, I will say, if he was going to have more hair at one time than another... It makes sense for him to have more hair in the earlier episodes and to have less hair in the later episodes. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Unless you're Jeremy Piven. Right. Also, for the hair that he does have, yes. he has a ton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes up for it. Ira has a thick head of hair starting at the yes. middle of his scalp. Middle of his head yeah. down to about his shoulders. Yeah. There's a real party in the back going on with Mr. John Pankow. So, yeah, that is something else. Just him it's so on gross. Students. Very gross. Very silly. Paul reaches the front of the line. He thinks he's done. But instead, he gets given course cards. And he has to wait on another line. And from there, we cut back to Fran's well, car. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, did I skip? You tell me. Catch me up. Tell well, me. Well, registrar. Oh, you want to talk about this person? Yeah, registrar number one. Actor playing registrar yeah. number one. Please. Oh, this link's not working. <laughs> boy, oh boy, is this anticlimactic. <laughs> You were scolding me. Oh, played by a man named Alan Wilder. Oh. Does that ring a bell? I think he seemed familiar. Tell me what he's, what do I know him from? He played Nelson in A League of Their Own. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He must have played older Nelson. Yeah. That's who Nelson At is. At the end. Yes. Me and Christina were like, is that Marla Hooch's boyfriend in the bar? No, Nelson's a little kid. Nelson's a little kid. Oh, so in the, the scene at the reunion. At the end when he's all grown up and he's like, mom died. Yeah. That line. Oh, I just yeah. got chills. I forgot about that line. Yeah. He delivers that really well in that movie. It's really good. Yeah. Oh. Also, he's in a little movie. You'll like this because it's a TV movie. <laughs> I, I I would like this, and I found it on Vimeo. If you want to watch it and tell ooh, us about it, ooh, let's uh, let's wrap it up right now. Before let's he was a household name, there was a TV movie made about him called Gifted Hands: The Ben Carson Story. Oh my god! In two thousand and nine, guess who played Ben Carson? It's not this guy. Cuba Gooding. Stop Junior. This is huge. Made for TV movie. I'm, there's no way I'm not going to watch this. Right? I can't believe it. I, Great. It's for the surgery, I guess, that he's famous for. Holy cow. Great, great, great. Ben Carson. He got nominated for a SAG Award. This guy did? No, Cuba. Gotcha. And Primetime Emmy Awards for, oh, hairstyling, makeup, cinematography, and sound mixing. Okay, so. Ah, the big four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the smink. The hism the <laughs> Oh my god, what's happening? The hismig. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Like an EGOT? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, check that out, everyone. I know I will. It's on Vimeo. Maybe we'll tweet the link. I don't see how we won't. It has eighty three thousand so... views too. Oh wow. Wow. What's up? Oh. <laughs> uh oh. The top two comments on the video. One, two years ago, 
This video is so powerful to encourage my daughter Pendo since 2005 as she was in primary school. She is taking science in her high school studies. God bless Dr. Carson. And then one month ago, all caps, Ben Carson's a crazy Republican, you idiots. <laughs> uh, oh, what a divisive mighty. film. Boy, oh boy. Oh. So we cut back to Fran's car. Is now a good time to cut back to Fran's car? Please. Great. We cut back to Fran's car. Fran and Lisa are singing Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. Yeah. Now, here's what I was thinking during this. Imagine being that kind of person where Jamie is clearly nervous and clearly mad about the fact that she is going back to school and she is trapped in traffic. Right. She's being very short and abrupt and curt with her friends. Sure. And how are they responding to this? They're not being quiet and just like, oh, you know, we've got to stall you, but you're angry and you're upset, so it's icy in here. Right. So let's just all chill out. No, they are singing anything you can do, I can do better as loud as they can at each other. Yeah, yeah. It's very annoying. I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. These people are not your friends, Jamie. I mean, they're very bad at covering. Yes. That yes, is yes, the yes. comedic mechanism. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think this scene would have been a lot funnier if they just been <laughs> quiet and said <laughs> nothing. So Fran is, she's now taking them to the east side of New York because it's more scenic. <laughs> I she, just got... Yeah. Well, Christina's listening yeah. to us record this in the other room. <laughs> Uh-oh. And I just got a text from her. It says the kid in a league of their own is named Stillwell. Oh my god. You idiot. Is that her is that her saying you idiot or me or you saying you no, idiot? I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Still well, Angel. Well thanks, Christina. <laughs> Kick save and a butte. Wait, so what is Marla Hooch's boyfriend? Yeah, probably. Oh, that makes more sense. I don't know if it makes more sense. <laughs> I was picturing what you said. Great. <laughs> you're right. It makes exactly the same yeah. amount of sense. <laughs> Oh, that yeah. that guy played role A instead of role B? Okay. <laughs> that guy we saw for one second in the show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. That I can see. Yeah. <laughs> now I want you to yell more things. I want you to mess up more yeah. things It sounded like loudly. we thought he was Tom Hanks' character, and now we heard That's he wasn't. True. We are like, oh, right. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, man. So... Yes, so Fran says, you want to go see Woody Allen's house? Lisa says, I heard he takes out his own garbage. (laughs) And then Jamie pulls a little something on her. Listen, guys, what? Nothing, I just, what? Is it hot in here? No. Fran, roll down your window. You too. You gonna barf? Uh, I hope not. Oh, maybe I should pull over. Good idea. These aren't my shoes. I just need some air. Let her out. Let her out. Where's she going? Oh my God. She's headed for the subway. She's making a break for it. I fell for this. Me too. Christina did not. Just as she was getting out, I was like, oh, she's gonna make a break for it. But before that, I was just like, uh oh. Oh, she's sick. Same. The whole time I was Uh-oh. like, oh, no. And also, I was like, how convenient for them. I felt relief. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, <laughs> so Jamie makes a break for it and hops on the subway. That uh, run which, is so funny. It's really funny. That Her shot of whoever running to yeah. the subway. Yeah. It's a very funny run. It is a funny run. It looks like a run of someone who doesn't run. Absolutely. You know? Or, yeah. you know, when you run a short distance, you don't care about form. Yeah. 
I'm very concerned about form when I'm running longer distances. Oh, of course. Which happens all the time. Well, well, sure. But like, you know what I mean? I, you know, I kind of don't. I can understand in theory. You really don't know what I mean? Like I said, I can understand how form would be more necessary in theory for the idea of just like, you know how this is, Russ? from first-hand experience I'm like no i don't do any long distance running and i've never thought about my form yeah, but russ it. let me tell you something you're gonna run to a train stop differently than you're gonna do a mile for for example in high school no which is why i hated the mile yeah i don't know if that's true that i loved you're saying i love the mile no no what i'm saying i don't know if it's true <laughs> roving runner of midtown gary Perard, let us know <laughs> let us know about running form there's a famous famous Gilbert Gottfried tells a story about running on a future oh, yeah. episode of Mad About You. I cannot wait. A behind-the-scenes story about a moment where he has to run off screen. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll get to it. Can't wait. So, by the way, where Jamie is right now, like taking the subway, she's still got a big schlep ahead of her. This is not an easy path yeah. to get from yeah, yeah. the east side of town to Wait, she's on the east side now? Yeah, it's more scenic. Oh, right. Oh, what a nightmare. Yeah, so unless she's below like why would you take the bus? I I don't know. No, but and if you're gonna take the bus, you may as well stay in the car. That's true. Well, the car's not going where you want it to go, though. That's true. well. Look, this is a big day. This this is a mess. This is our well, inner monologue. Yeah. Okay. So what happens next? What happens next is Paul gets on a different line with different course cards, and Paul and Ira cannot. They can literally not determine whether or not they've prepaid. That killed they, me too. Yeah, them not knowing what the term prepaid means. Yeah, what is pre? Yeah. Did pre just happen or was pre meant to happen like a week ago? Yeah. And Jamie, we learn, we learn the classes that Jamie is taking. Mm-hmm. Jamie is taking ethics, psychology, logic, and intermediate French. Let me tell you something, John. Yeah. If I was married and my wife at 30 years old <laughs> said, I want to go back to school. I want to go to an Ivy League school. I'm not happy with what I'm doing right now, but I want to go back to school. And what I'm going to take is ethics, <laughs> psychology, logic, and intermediate French. Well, I would not be happy about that decision. Oh, though. you got to be supportive. Don't tell me what I got to do. <laughs> She's already had a career. Like, why are you a concerned parent now? I, uh, look, here's, here's something that happens, though. What do you want to do? Go to med school? Well, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I want her to go to med school <laughs> so that she can become a doctor and live that life. No, I just want her to take not. I said this all to Jen and she was just like, maybe she has prereqs that she has to fill. <laughs> just the core curriculum. When Paul says that Jamie is registering for those classes, the registrar says, oh, that'll prepare you for the world. I love that. Me too. And also, that is the first person in this entire show to give her any negative criticism about this decision. Yeah, but isn't it also the first time we... Oh, about the decision to go back to school? Decision to go back to school, the classes, the direction, the rudderlessness of her returning to school. Yeah, sure. This is the first time anybody in the world has said, hey, you may want to think a, a little bit harder about this and focus a little bit more beforehand. Sure, sure. This is the first time anybody, since I wasn't written as a character or a performer on this show, this is the first time she's hearing any pushback. That is true. Do you recognize this woman? I do not. Adila Barnes? No. She played Anne-Marie Mitchell. Anne-Marie Mitchell on Roseanne. Oh. 15 episodes. 
Oh, cool. I didn't I've watch the show. Little... I don't know who that is, but I thought you might. Because you've been I, watching. I do not. I have been watching it lately. Oh, gosh. Roseanne is so great. Yeah, well, you could start another podcast. <laughs> Maybe I will. <laughs> and then she, you know, she's just uh, in everything. Tracy right. takes on. Interesting one. Cool. A lot of one-apps. A lot of one-app guest stars. Sure. She played a nurse in Basic Instinct. Oh, she played Anna and Aaron Brockovich. I don't remember Anna, but that's a great movie. Great. Anyway. Love it. So the cards we learn, the cards that they're being given, must be signed by each department. Paul says, isn't there an easier way to do this? The registrar says, yes. Paul says, what? Registrar says, prepay. Mm. This is a very complicated episode to write. Yes. Yes. The registration is so complicated. Absolutely. It's great. And I, it's very I impressive. It's, I think, like, once that happens and now once, you know, out in the lobby in front of the gym, Paul and Ira meet up with Lisa and Fran, and Paul gives each of them a card to go and get signed. Yes. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, now all of a sudden, the episode takes on a different turn. Yeah, it does. Now everyone's on their own little mission. Yeah. This is really fun. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on their own little hero's journey. Yes. And so Paul is going to go and find out where everybody needs to go. He goes in to get a map. He goes back into the main room. And at that point, Jamie arrives. So Jamie was just a few steps behind Fran and Lisa. And we go into the gym. Paul is walking out with the map and almost walks right into Jamie. Yes. And in an effort to hide, he gets behind a guy who was wearing a hat for a band. And that band name is a black hat. And the black hat has the words... Fresh vomit. Oh, Wonderful. The best. Way, way to what make a, a dig at the punk scene. So good. It's the single cell so, paramecium so of Mad About You. <laughs> so Paul starts talking to the guy, trying to get his hat, and the guy wants to talk about the band. Paul offers to buy the hat. The guy says, it's my roommate, so you can't buy it. Paul says, I'll give you $20. He says, cool. And he yeah. sells it right away. <laughs> the way he says, what's up, man, just kills me. Yeah. Because it's in such contrast to how paranoid Paul is from hiding. He's just like, oh, what's up, man? That is very true. He's pretty laid back. Uh, this actor's name is amazing. What is it? Lightfield Lewis. That's really good. First name, Lightfield. Lightfield. Last name, Lewis. Love it. Yeah. Life, huh. Lightfield Lewis can't lose. He was on another show called Life's Work. Do you remember that one? Don't know if I do. Lisa Ann Walter, starring Lisa Ann Walter. Mm-mm. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, he was on the new WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah. Nah, nah. <laughs> so, yeah, so he gets the hat and he exits the gym very quickly, Paul does. And Paul goes right into the French classroom. Now. Yeah, go ahead. Well. Do you have a quote for this one? I don't have a direct quote. I mean, a clip? You don't have a clip for this? I don't have a clip for this, no. I, I get We get a clip later. Ah, great. Thank God, because... Julia Sweeney, playing a French teacher, is so funny. It's pretty special. I was dying. Everybody's favorite old SNL utility woman. Yeah, Julia she was sweaty balls. Wonderful. Right? That was, no, that was uh, Anna Gasteyer and Molly Shannon. I don't know, I guess, who Julia Sweeney is. Julia Sweeney was, her big character was Pat. Oh, Pat. really? Yep. Uh, well, that's such a, that character is buried in costume and makeup and. Right. And you couldn't do it anymore, and you shouldn't really do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and she's written about the character and about how complicated, and she's just like, yeah, it's not a... I, I wouldn't do it anymore. It's interesting, but, though. Uh, 
Yeah. Because the character does bring up a real issue. Because to me, the character sure. wasn't about the character as much it, as it was about people's Everybody's confusion response. about how to deal with it. If if you were to, which is a real phenomenon. Yes, you'd have to you'd have to rewrite. You'd have to if you were to do it now, you'd have to rewrite some things. Yeah, there's a sense of yeah. you know what, it's not worth it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a sense of you know what, it's not worth it about discussing it in this part of our podcast. <laughs> No, I think that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. But yeah, so Julia Sweeney is there, and she only speaks in French, and she wants Paul to speak en français. This is also, this feels like an SNL sketch. Yes. And also, this was the premise of an SNL sketch. Oh, really? I remember seeing it. Alec Baldwin, as a French teacher in high school, want to, en français, and just like corrected everybody's French and their accents and what they were saying, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end, they go to Paris and French people are coming up and speaking to them. And he is, ah, 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 and he's changing, he's correcting their accent. So I don't think that this, I'm sure that this was independent of that. I'm sure it's but, not uh, one of those ideas that's one in a million. You yeah. Know. Right. A silly language teacher's uh, archetype almost. Yes. It certainly felt very familiar. So, yes, I'm like, this professor is just annoying. Just speak. Oh, I love her. Great, great, great. Lisa enters logic class. Yes, this logic teacher. Yes. Is very familiar. Yep. And I think, I suspect you're a big fan of him. I am. Jim Piddock. I did not know his name, but yes, I knew his face and where I knew him. From. One of the Christopher Guest players. Absolutely. Yeah. He's the dude. He is the other commentator besides Fred Willard. Yes. In Best in Show. Yes, yes, yes. And he's got other great roles in, in he's in A Mighty Wind. He's in Mascots. Yeah, he's in all of them. One. Yeah, he's really funny. The British dude. He's also in Independence Day. Really? I didn't know that. Cool. So he's talking to Lisa about how there's no room. And he's the, they do a thing in this show, in this episode, where each of the teachers goes really heavy into whatever their topic yes. of of study is what their class is for. So the French person does all French stuff. Later, the psych professor is going to do all psych stuff. And they all get matched up with people who they all get matched. Well, yes, absolutely. Paul gets a communication foil. Yes. Fran gets psychology and, you know, she's going through yep. a divorce and yada, yada, yada. Yep. And then Lisa, of course, gets logic. She's the most logical and Ira gets ethics right. and you know, yes, say no more. Yes. It's very fun. I don't think the writers have a real grasp on what logic is because. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what logic their, class is. Their logic puzzle for where Lisa's like, hey, I want to take this class. They all have to pretend to be Jamie. So they're saying, uh, she says, I want to take this class. And he says, well, we can't. There aren't enough seats. She's like, but I want to take it. People will leave, right? And he's like, no, but you can't. There are 20 seats and there are 20 people taking the class. I'm like, this isn't logic. This is counting. That's different. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. If there are 20 seats and 20 people, then yeah, that's true. That is counting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's just counting. It's that's a the... Listen, it's a dumb class. It, As I taught in loved... this episode, it's a dumb class. Absolutely. I would have loved for them to have been like, okay, so if they had spoken about, here's some given information, you know, here's how they could have done it. If we assume that P equals, you know, P is all students have seats. Q is... 
there are 20 seats in this class or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, this is what they should have done in the class. They should have done actual logic that I learned yeah, about. Yeah, that sounds in funny. In ninth grade. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing. So anyway, from there, Fran <laughs> goes to psych. And she trips up and says that she's doing it for a friend. And then she has to backpedal and say, no, I'm the friend. I'm my best friend. And then she has this very funny run. Let's try this again. So can you tell me why you're interested in studying psychology? Oh, I'm not Jamie. I'm just doing this for a friend. I'm sorry. The requirement is each student present him or herself for course submission. I am. And you just said it was for a friend. No, I didn't. You clearly said... Well, I'm my friend. I'm my best friend. (laughs) You said your name wasn't Jamie. Well, sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Do you mean that literally? What do you mean? Are you saying you see yourself as two separate individuals? Yeah, sure, that's it. Can you sign the card now? Does this other individual have another name? Okay. Which is? Fran. May I speak to Fran? Oh, for God's sake. Fine. Hi. Yeah, the Fran character, the Fran persona is very aggressive. Yes. Sometimes my name's Jamie. Sometimes it's not. (laughs) I like that a lot. Yeah. Her yelling as Fran is great. They're going to be in such hot water when Jamie shows up. Yeah, you're not wrong. Nobody's thought of that. But this dumb maybe the... psych teacher will probably be like, well, you've completely transformed. That, that's true, too. <laughs> that's very true. Ira goes to ethics class and tries to bribe the professor immediately. Ugh, love this. So great. The ethics professor is played by Stephen Perlman. Yep, he looks very familiar. Yeah, Stephen Perlman is... Oh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Me too. That might be my favorite one. Actually, it definitely is. I just saw the first one for the first time. Yeah, I watched that recently too. Yeah, I really, really liked it a whole lot. But I saw, yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance I saw a lot when it was on HBO. I mean, it's like Lethal Weapon 3. Well, no, honestly, it's like Lethal Weapon 4. Right. It's the one where they're just like, you know what? We're just going to have a good time. Let's just have fun. Yeah. Oh, he's also in... uh. Oh my gosh, she plays Rabbi Cohen in Pi. You remember Pi? The Darren Aronofsky movie? Yeah, the black and white I mathematician ha- movie. I haven't seen it, but uh, I know that it happened, yeah. Oh, wait, and he's in Quiz Show. Man, this guy's got a cool res. And he's in Serpico. Oh, un- uncredited. Okay, fine. Still cool. That makes it even cooler. Oh, and he's Mr. Goldstein in the raincoats. He does Seinfeld. Oh, wow. Cool. Wow, fun resume, sir. Love it. Our psych professor is Mary Portzer, who... Was in the Italian job. The original? Yeah, yeah. Probably not. Not the remake. Wait, is what do you mean? Uh, yeah, the the one with uh, Mark Wahlberg from a few years ago. That was a remake. It is. Yeah, originally with Michael Caine. I bet that one's boring. <laughs> I bet it's not. Uh, I mean, look, it was exciting enough for them to remake it. Yeah, that remake was so cool. It was fun. <laughs> she was in Edwood, Sons of Beverly Hills, Daddy Daycare. <laughs> the remake or the original? <laughs> And then a bunch of TV shows Sweet Anyway Anyway So yeah Ira says to the professor I know what teachers make It's gotta come in handy This money What do you think? Ira says What do you teach? Professor says Ethics Big laugh After being being bribed too We got to Jamie She's still waiting in line She's checking her watch We go back To Paul Who is closing the deal With the French teacher Did you just just sign Lacard. 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 
Now this is ridiculous and very funny and silly. Yes, it almost feels like they're just messing around at this point. Yeah. Especially when she starts yeah, yeah. talking like him. Yes. Felt um, unscripted. Right. There's always a moment that feels unscripted on this show, and I never know if it is or not. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that this was scripted. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Okay, fine. But this reminded me of, uh, did you see, have you seen Better Off Dead? No. It's a great movie. And uh, yeah, there's a whole scene involving cheek squeezing and French pronunciation. Very silly. Very fun. And so she signs the card for Paul. He leaves the lobby, or he leaves and heads to the lobby where he runs into the second registrar. And she says that he needs his ID card. Right. Can't get all that other stuff without uh, an ID one card. One more hurdle. Yep. So then we cut to the photo area where he has a very funny, very bad photo of himself taken. And, this, and he's giving his information as, I'm Jamie Buckman. Now, this photographer... Yeah. It feels like yearbook photography. Yes, absolutely. And he's very funny. And he's in a lot of classic little movies. Is he? From our childhood. Pee-wee's really? Big Adventure. Oh. He plays Chuck. He? Okay. He has a small part in Space Camp. Okay. Which I love Space Camp. Me too. He's a cop in Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. That's very it. Very cool. Cool. And then a bunch of TV shows. What's his name? Daryl Keith Roach. Very cool name. That's a good name. So, yes, Paul gets his very bad photo taken. Then we cut to Lisa, and she is sitting with the logic professor who has a grid. He has assembled a grid of Tic Tacs, each one representing a different classmate and a different desk, saying, now, where will you sit? She looks at it, eats a Tic Tac, and says, right there. And he signs their slip. Yeah, the audience loved this. They did. I did not love it so well, much. Well, it doesn't make any like, sense. I was like, all right, fine. Yeah, they didn't know what logic was. Yeah, right, right, right. No one's taking a logic class in this. They should. There's no tautologies at all in this. Oh thing, my John. gosh! I didn't realize logic was your favorite subject. Oh, without logic, what are we? Animals. True. Yeah. Well, there you have it. I'm no animal. So then we cut to the photos, False. and Lisa takes. <laughs> you got me. We uh we cut to the photos, and uh, Lisa is taking a big toothy grin shot. And then we cut back to Fran's room. And Fran's professor, the psych professor, is she... What does she do? What does she do, John? She signs the card. That's right. They yeah, all sign the card. She signs the card. This is like the little and montage she of says, uh, card signing yeah. and photo. Great. Boom, boom. Each actor get gets their little, taken. you know... Yep. Their little silly camera Skip shot ahead. and a card signed. You're absolutely right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Ira actually bribes the ethics professor. It works. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ethics professor is counting his money very happily. We go back to the gym. Ira and Paul are at the back. Of, uh, they're online at the gym, and Jamie is still waiting. So they've got a shot at making this thing work. Paul is wearing his fresh vomit hat. Ira is wearing a hood to try to blend in. Right. And they get to the front of the line by basically misdirecting other students. Ira, very clever. Yes. Looks at each person's cards and line, says, Oh, you need this. Oh, you're missing this. Oh, blah, blah. Yep. Points them all over the place. And then we get a series of quick cuts between Paul and Jamie, and it's very well done. I know he is. Here we go. 
Jamie Buckman? Jamie Buckman. J-A-M-I-E? B-U-C-H. M-A-N? Want me to help you type that? I already registered by mail. Gotta be there. I sent it in weeks ago. That's it? I'm all in? Here it is. Thanks. That was easy. <laughs> Very suspenseful. Yeah. Is it going to happen? Are they going to be able to make it? And uh, yeah, Paul and Ira make it work. They get there just ahead of Jamie. Christina pointed out that they needed those IDs. Yes. So they handed the guy four Jamie Buckman IDs with four different photos. <laughs> they handed the guy four. Yes. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, right? I guess so. Well, yeah. So I told her not fishy. to ruin this for me. Something fishy. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Ira, Jamie, and Lisa all leave, and Paul's going to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, Paul's like, I have a meeting. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's got a meeting. Which was so funny to hear him say. Yeah. Like, what are you, Mr. Hollywood, all of a sudden? Uh, <laughs> Your documentary meeting? You and I have meetings. We're not a Hollywood. That's true. Yeah. There you go. Maybe he's got to talk to somebody about this podcast. We have jobs, though. That's true, too. It's a great point. Paul is very appreciative of everybody's help. And Lisa's leaving and she says, I can't believe I have class tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. We cut to the cafeteria where inexplicably Jamie is eating fish sticks and Sprite. And it's disgusting. <laughs> Hearing them say that out loud is disgusting. Oh, so just the fish sticks and Sprite? Made you sick, huh? Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget the tartar sauce. Say again. It doesn't matter. Great. I said, let's not forget the tartar sauce. <laughs> so Paul is having coffee. I mean, imagine little fish alone. pieces floating in Sprite. Ugh, why Why is that happening? Because that's what's I mean, happening when you eat fish sticks and Sprite. So you just imagine in your beverage little bits of food just floating in it? Yeah. That's where your mind always <laughs> yeah. goes? That's how babies eat. <laughs> that is how babies eat. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, Paul's having coffee at a table alone. Jamie sees him, and she is touched to her very core. I mean, so was I. Okay. Let me explain. so sweet. What? I can't believe you did this. What did I do? You remembered what I said about the cafeteria and having nobody to sit with. You are the sweetest man in the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, how many husbands would do what you did? Oh, well... Hardly any. Very slick yeah. move. Oh, well, I mean, it was an accident. It was? Yeah, he forgot. He thought he was busted. When she sees him, he's like, I can explain. Wait. He just went through. What? He didn't do it deliberately. He didn't go to get a cup of coffee to meet Jamie. Why would you he go get a, to get a cup of coffee in the cafeteria of the school then? Because you're there already. You're in New York. Everywhere there's coffee. Look, I know. That's my explanation from just New a York's little bit New York's slogan ago. could be, you're always there already. <laughs> that's that's what he did though because oh. if he if he didn't when she showed up and was just like you're so sweet he would have been like right am i right am i something or am i something uh, yeah. i thought i'd do something but instead he says i can explain oh what i did that oh well yeah sure well i'm very uh, that's, that's what happened yeah i know i butted up against that and i chose to believe my own my own hypothesis instead of what was okay clear in front of me. I'll do that too. Yeah, well. How nice is Paul here doing that and remembering? Okay, fine. Yeah, he's what a mensch. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I really wanted to believe. You're a sweetheart, John Marbley. 
that takes us out of the episode proper and then we get the tag and there's so many id cards hey how was your first day of school it was great yeah you got it all set up and everything mm, you want to see my id let me see let me see wow you look beautiful really it's funny because i thought i'd look a little bit like you <laughs> You know what they say, a lot of times, seriously, a lot of times, married people will start to look like each other. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes their husband's cousins, very often. Or their sisters. I've heard they look like their sister. Or Fran. She caught him. Busted. Busted. What do you think? You think this will destroy their marriage? No. There's no. six more seasons. We'll have to find out. Yeah. We'll have to tune in next week Five. to find out. Oh, my gosh. So that's this episode. I loved it. I loved it, loved it. liked it. Liked it. A like for you, a love for me. Indeed. Well, Rise Guys and Rise Gals, let us know whether you loved it or liked it. Those are your only two options. Yeah. And there's a right one. There's a right answer. Agreed. <laughs> so, we hope you loved this episode of Mad About Mad About You. It's over now. <laughs> John, what's new with you? Anything fun to plug? No. I don't think Great. so. Watch okay. uh, Mr. Student Body President on Go90. Yes. Do that. Do that thing. I recently was on an episode of a podcast called Beckett to the Future. Ah, yes. A Quantum yep. Leap podcast, right? Co-hosts Don and Rachel. They're doing every episode of Quantum Leap, except the fun thing is they are covering the show chronologically according to the dates to which Sam leaps rather than season by season. Yes, very good. So yeah, so like the fourth episode of the show, the fourth episode of the podcast was the finale of the show. The finale of Quantum Leap. Ah, that's great. That's a great little hook. Yeah, and the episode that I did, they've probably done, I'm not sure how many episodes they've done, maybe like 20 or 30. They just made it out of the 50s. Wow. Yeah. Very so, yeah. interesting. Very interesting. I will have it's to a give that a listen. It's a fun show. Give it a listen. Everybody give it a listen. Beckett to the future. And please like us, rate us, review us, subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Yes, indeedy. We're trying to get to 50 reviews by episode 50. Hashtag 50 by 50. We're we got at just 17 up. right now. Yes, and we have been. So I know that you all are just laying in wait. Yeah, if you're to a, jump yeah. in there. <laughs> if you're waiting till episode 49. Don't be coy. There's no reason to, to just drop it all on us at once. Get out there now. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag 50 by 50. The campaign of the year. <laughs> yeah. The most important campaign that's happening this year. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Russ Fader, F-E-D-E-R. I'm at Johnny Marbles, no H. So yeah, do it. Rate us and review us, by God. And we've got theme music. It sounds like this. It was written and composed and conformed. Conformed. <laughs> it was, we gave a very strict it was, guidelines. It was conformed by that conformist, John D. <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> Our logo was by the conformist, Nathan Diffie. Find him on Twitter at Nathan D I F F E E. And our thank you to both of them. Sound was mixed by the conformist Vuk Ivanovich. <laughs> thank you very much, Vuk. John, we did it. We're back. We're back. Woo. We'll speak again soon. Yeah. Great. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so much for listening. We're mad about mad about you one more time. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marley. And, and this, this is, is what, what we're, we're saying. saying.